You're listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today we talk to Cheryl Martin. She lives in Australia, but she has a captivating accent and an infectious enthusiasm. Cheryl will share her insights on the power of collective strength, the future of healthcare, and the magic of mindfulness. So join us as we explore Cheryl's running adventures, her passion for holistic care, and the importance of leaving a legacy. Get ready to be inspired by Cheryl's unique perspective and let her lovely Scottish accent whisk you away on this engaging and enlightening episode of Fit Mind, Fit Body. Let's get moving. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am excited to get to know Cheryl Martin more and to introduce you all to her. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you, Michelle. It's a real honor to be chatting to you this afternoon. Um, I know that we've already started um, a warm up. We have. We couldn't help it. (laughs) That's that's the way it should be. Obviously, this is going to be a very exciting conversation for me, and I'm sure everyone else is going to get to learn a little bit more about you and also be very inspired by some of the things that you do and, and what, you know, even just before we got on, you know, we were starting to talking about, you know, medicine and and how, you know, holistic kind of care and things like that. And yeah, I think that's fascinating, especially well, for all of us. Like we're here to talk about running, but actually we all have a human body and most of us actually care about what happens to it. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting thing. We should all be a little bit fascinated by it. Anyway, let's start with you. What I've noticed is that you have an amazing accent and I don't know that I was expecting it when we first got on because that's the way it is. Anyway, let, where did you grow up, Cheryl? I think I can tell you without you answering it, but maybe you should share. (laughs) Um, We've already had a laugh about the fact that the the voice activated technology might fail. Um, So I am originally um, from Scotland. Um, I do, I think of myself as a bona fide Scozzy these days. Um, I've been an Australian citizen for 10 years now, and I've actually been back in Australia for, I think, nearly 16, 16 years. Um, Wow. But I've been a bit obsessed with Australia since I've been quite young. But no, I was born in Glasgow. Glasgow. Sorry, I can't help that. My my dad's a pom, so he's from Surrey. And I don't know, when you grow up with a parent with a bit of an accent, especially if it's a European accent, I find myself (laughs) just falling into, especially, you know, just little words here and there. Anyway, uh, when I go to England, I I come home and people go, oh, are you from Britain? (laughs) No. You quickly lose it again, but anyway. I go home and nobody says that about me. Oh, you sound Australian. Nobody I says that. <laughs> dad, my dad says they say that about him whenever he goes back to England. 
Uh, mind you, he's been here for 50 years, so that's a bit longer. <laughs> well, my aunt and uncle um, next door, they have been here oh, over 45 years now, and they still sound like they just came over yesterday. But oh, wow. all my cousins are um, definitely Aussies because they were all born here. So and my young, well, my eldest cousin was young enough that he lost his accent. Do you think it's um, the Scottish accent is so, it's quite a strong accent. It is. Um, you know, I think, yeah, that and the Irish accent, there's a couple that, you know, you just, you just don't lose. Which is kind of cool because most of us love to listen to Scottish accents, even the AI, I'm sure. I'm sure this will work out well. <laughs> we'll see. I am going to send you the Berniston lift clip. <laughs> you need to do that. Um, okay. Tell me, a bit, what was child like, childhood like in Scotland? Tell me, in Glasgow. Um, well, it, you know, it was, it, it, Glasgow's a great place. Um, Glasgow smiles better, but it, it, it was um, like summer was a rare thing. Um, it usually happened for one week in May and, and maybe one week at the end of August. Just wow. So just as the exams came in May, if it was my memory. And then just after you went back to school in August was when the sun came out usually. So you usually get um, a lot of Scots trying to uh, flock to Europe. And, you know, when, when I was a bit older, when I was younger, the family holidays were to Blackpool, which, you know, the further south you go, the, the warmer it gets. Um, but when we uh, were a bit older, we were able to fly um, abroad. Um, but when I was nine, I did actually fly to Australia um, for the first time to see my aunt because they had moved out here by then. And um, I, I really fell in love with Australia. And I, you know, I think since then I've been always a bit determined, I think that I would come back here. Um, and I came back a few times um, through uni. And then, you know, after I qualified, I was determined I was coming to work. I came for a year, went back. And then finally, I came and settled in 2008. So what was it about Australia? I mean, I know you describe a lot of British people, often the United Kingdom, um, describe you know, the weather, for example. And I mean, that was something that you even already mentioned. Was that, is that the thing yeah. or was there some other things that makes you think Australia was a place? I mean, I certainly, I think the weather is a, a, a big part of it. I, I definitely was one of those people that got seasonal affective disorder. And, and I actually, my body would just in winter in Scotland would, it would like my, my skin would dry up my lips would go blue like my body actually rebelled um and uh, and, and I have quite vivid memories of hating winter um you know de-icing your car and um and really finding it all quite miserable um but I, I remember like uh for it's really funny memories um we had a school project and we were all divided into the class and I think it must have been about eight or nine it was just before I came and um, we were all given a country and I was the captain for our group and we got Australia. And so we spent like a month like researching Australia. And it was in the days where you still had travel agents and travel brochures and, you know, neighbours was on the telly. And I just remember, but particularly looking at diversity of flora and fauna and just all the different you know, parts of Australia as one big country. And um, I remember it came down to us and another group. And I think my, we got three questions. Um, I think my question is coral, you know, a fish or an animal or a, a shell or something. <laughs> anyway, we won. So um, I always kind of remember that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think then when I came, I remember being very upset when we came back Um and then kind of parked it for a number of years until um, I came out when I was a student. My friends were living and traveling and yeah. doing that for a year. So came out to see them. So my aunt and uncle and again, had a great experience. So 
Um, I, uh, after I qualified, um, I think I'd worked in Glasgow for a year and a half. I got on the internet and found a job. Um, it was actually on the central coast. Um, and I, I actually did it all pretty wrong without, you know, giving you too much, um, information. I, um, I, I was supposed to be working in Gosford hospital, which would have been fantastic. Um, but I was on a, an occupational trainee visa. So they were really trying to attract particularly GP trainees yeah. at that time. And I got there and they just ran out of accommodation. Um, I wasn't going to be in Gosford. I was going to be up in Wyong, like 40 minutes away. Um, and so I hadn't really thought this through. I'd kind of got to Sydney, <laughs> like lovely and glamorous, then got on the train all the way out, realized I had my suitcase and I hadn't like really thought this through. <laughs> and um, I remember my mom saying, just come home. And I was like, I cannot come home. <laughs> and, and so I got on the internet um, back in Sydney and Ron from Quantum Recruitment said, sure, I'll get to Melbourne. Um, and then I think I had three job interviews within 24 hours. And I, and I had a, a friend who... Um, who doesn't who do who runs a little bit but who um studied with me in Glasgow who uh lived in Melbourne and he put me up and I ended up yeah working there for the year so the rest is history and really loved it love the Melbourne well before you left Scotland do you have, you have siblings I do I have a brother um who is also not in Scotland <laughs> we have all spread away he is in Dubai um so oh. he's been there for about eight years uh, between Abu Dhabi and Dubai oh wow that's I love it when families are kind of spread out because it seems like you get lots of opportunities to go travel, <laughs> go visit each Which other. Which is great until you have a pandemic and then you realise that yes. you can't see each other. It's, that so was, I, I suppose, the thing that, that really hit home. Yeah. But, but who would have thought? Like that yeah. was one of those, like now it just goes, yeah, well, you know, when those pandemics happen. But three years ago or four years ago, like the thought of the way it happened, we would just never would have. Yeah. You, you would have better against it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, at school, were you very sporty? I, so I was a dancer. I did a lot of dance when I was younger and I, I did my first, so I mean, I suppose you want to go on to the running. Um, and I remember my first, uh, long run. I did a bit of, like, I wasn't very good at sprinting. I was okay at sack race and, you know, I wasn't kind of, I was very active and I loved yeah. to dance, but I wasn't really a, like person who did well in athletics or anything like that. Um, and then I remember, um, I think just before we hit high school, we did our first cross country um, run and it was yeah. around Kelvin Grove Park, which is probably about a 3K route. And um, there's a there's a big hill um, that I'm calling a big hill now. I mean, it was <laughs> just a, an incline. It reminded me, if you ever remember Gladiators, um, yes. the, the Travelator, it reminded me of the Travelator. <laughs> and I remember getting a stitch like the first time we ran and it all being, you know, pretty hard. Um, I, I remember me and one of the boys in my class I remember his name Gareth McSorley just like moaning the whole way around but then really at the end like actually having so much energy and like you know really sprightly jogging back thinking that was really wonderful um and I think that's my kind of earliest running memory um but I think I am you know I, I don't know if you've ever read Kelly McGonigal's The Joy of Movement um I know their name a great book and you know she talks about from pretty early on she knew that movement was something that took her out of herself that that made her feel good and I think I've always been you know of that kind of inclination mm. um and I think you know you can also take that I think you know in my <laughs> in my older age and and I realized I can you can take that to to an extreme you know if that's right. your thing and that's the way 
you um yeah, I suppose come out of yourself and, and you'll get a bit of a buzz you can and I probably have overdone it and certainly you know in my early 20s you know I probably used that you know movement and exercise to just kind of escape everything else um but but yeah no I've definitely been someone that that for whom it's movement that 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 you know does bring me joy um and so how did that like when you were at university so those who didn't pick it up you're a doctor um so therefore your university days would have been not without stress and you know it's not an easy degree my imagination is not an easy degree to do unlike my teaching degree which is quite simple um no I don't think any degrees are (laughs) simple (laughs) that is true one of the hardest jobs (laughs) to do well I've told my children that um in many ways university it's not necessarily because of what you study but it shows that you can start something and finish it and that, you know, most people consider it to be something that's that's a challenging thing. So if you can start it and finish it, then that proves that whether you go on and do that thing or something else, the fact that you've done a degree proves something to future employees or whatever situations you get yourselves in. So oh, I agree. interesting. But when you were at university, were you doing any kind of sport then? while you were yeah so running and I remember I did I did actually I think so I'd I'd ran in cross-country team through school um and really enjoyed that and um and I did um I think I joined the hares and hounds at first year at uni and then quickly realized I wasn't going to be able to keep up with like just like the hares and hounds um hares and hounds I think it was the cross-country team um (laughs) Um, and um so I was just doing my own thing um but I, um, you know, I would do spin classes. I would do very much aerobic kind of high powered. And, and I think to, I remember, you know, quite vividly towards the end of first year realizing I was probably overcooking that. And that's when I stumbled okay. into my first yoga class. Um, I had done one yoga class when I was 14 and with my mom and it was terrible um, and I really didn't like it. Um, but I went into this class and I still remember the teacher Um her, and her she um it was with herself and her daughter her name was Pearl and I remember being her being all in white and she must have been in maybe her 50s or 60s at the time and um and I, I don't really remember what we did in the class I have no idea what asana practice we did but I do remember the guided relaxation and shavasana at the end yeah. and I came out of that I, you know I'd gone I'd been running and then a spin class and then gone into this yeah. and then I, I, you know, I, I think I thought, oh, this is a different feeling and it felt very good. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I kind of realized that, that I needed to incorporate that in, um, you know, and I think had a bit of a learning journey through the next couple of years of, of university, which, which were good. You know, I think it's good to kind of um, go to one extreme and then realize you've got to pull back. Wow. That's, um, to me, that you came to that even like when you were quite young, really, because it was, sounds like it was at the beginning of your university um, life. That's got to be a blessing mm. in many ways that, that you discovered that because often, as you oh. said, whether it's A-type personalities, whatever you want to ascribe it to, we take things on and then that's all we do and we get very focused and we, whether it's, you know, com- very competitive or very, when we're talking about sport or we study obsessively or we what we just get, and none of those things, as you alluded to before, are necessarily healthy. Like they're, they're, they're good things, all of them, the studying and, and the exercise and stuff. But if you if that's all you do, it becomes unbalanced, I suppose. So yeah. I can imagine that would have been really good for your study 
like that being able to not just do the exercise element, but also um, the meditation or the the mindfulness elements that come with things like yoga. Yeah, no, I I definitely think yoga. I, mean, I think of it as a tool. Um, it's you know it's for that self calibration. Um, it's um, no, I I you know, and again, it's I think we've said it's when you can't control everything else externally, which might, which might actually be the, the, you know, the main reasons for the, your distress, you, you can try to bring that internally and, and, you know, control what you can control in your own internal space is the, the yeah. perfect place to start. Yeah. So how does that look for you now? Did, have you, you've taken that, I mean, I'm, what is your, what you've got a podcast, like just so that people know we're leading them down the garden path, but um <laughs> Your, what's your podcast called? Yeah, so it's um I, I don't know if you realize not a spelling mistake. Um, so it's it is the mind fool medic podcast, which yeah. must be a gentle, ironic play on the fact that you know mindfulness is wonderful and we all really want to, you know, pay attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. But the reality is that we're all in our heads all the time. And and you know, I I think we've you know got a give ourselves <laughs> cut ourselves a bit of slack that's Absolutely. fine that is the norm um you know certainly mindfulness is aspirational but you know for most of it's it, you know on a day-to-day moment-to-moment basis it's it's really it can feel very unattainable oh and I think um as you said that it's self-compassion really mm. which is what we talk about a lot in mindfulness as you know so you know I, I told you before but I'm, I'm here with my dad who's not been well and although his body's actually starting to heal to heal um he's his mind is still you know he's still quite in a a sad place because he's been so sick and he can't see how he's going to get out of it and all that kind of stuff so we've been talking through a lot of you know those kind of things and that your brain will keep telling you things or your thoughts will keep telling you things over and over again but you don't have to believe them all you can choose so you don't have to get angry for yourself you know for having bad thoughts, sad thoughts, whatever they are, um, critical thoughts of yourself, you just let it be. Like they're there, just they exist. So that and having some self-compassion as a result, just allowing them there without having to give them any more um, focus than necessary is is sort of what we all need to do. So um, I'm glad he's got you in his life. I'm (laughs) sure he is too. When did you, you I said I wasn't going to try not to ask you too many questions, but you know, you said I was quite young to come to a kind of yoga Mm. and and, and meditation practice. When did that start for you? And how's it? Um, I am still very, very bad at it. And not that I'm like, it's a a practice and it was a journey for my entire life. And I don't ever assume to be I don't ever assume that I will even get good at it I get still really bad at it um yeah. but when did I first started to, and I've gone in and out of it as well like so I haven't been a full-on practicer but I've always had my personality is quite a chill personality where I don't let things ruffle me too much because I just you know mostly I'm normal I'm a normal human anyway um but my grandmother was a yoga teacher so when I was a child um, although it wasn't that spiritual, we still did a lot of, you know, the like you said, towards the end of the exercise bit, there was the relaxation side, which is a lot of the mindfulness side. So I guess I've always had that element for as long as I can rem- or access to that. And so that's where I, I would attribute it to. 
for the first time. I, I think that you know, my, one of my favorite teachers always said it, you know, is it's a practice, not a perfect, but, you know, the real yoga actually happens off the mat. And just what you've said about, you know, being able to regulate thoughts, feelings, um, mm. that, that is yoga. That mm. is actually yoga. Yeah. Yeah. With a bit of moving. Definitely a work in progress today. That's the me. problem that so many people have, and we could probably have a whole thing, whole other podcast that you and I do about about these conversations. Um, but we um, people think that they have to be still in order to, or do yoga in order to have access to these things. And as you know, my, the mindful moments, for example, that I do every Thursday. Uh, <laughs> It's about if you can just gather a couple of those little moments in in every day just while you're brushing your teeth or in the shower or whatever, then that will get you so much further than if you if you didn't do it at all, give you so much more peace and so much more. And what if we could bring that into the healthcare system? And, you know, what if you could sit and just breathe with someone in a hospital bed? And what if you could, yeah. do, you know, I mean, that, exactly. this is not what we do. You've just no. given me a, you know, a very articulate description of, of, of what our current, you know, particularly Western healthcare system is like at the moment. Um, yeah. And, you know, uh, there's so much more potential there. It is. And we're going to go off on um, some pretty cool tangents on our podcast right now because we're both very interested. <laughs> I know. And this is about running, but I'm happy I to You and I, running. I do this but running for me is music meditation. It really is. <laughs> I get into whatever especially if the, my guest is really into something I'm really into. And this is actually a podcast about mindful movement a bit as well. Um, so it, it, there is an overlap, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just don't, we go down those rabbit holes sometimes. Um, but I think we can also, you and I could give it a much, um, I think we should probably do a podcast just about that as well. That will be on the crossover on my podcast. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right. Um, so, so you're running in your, I'm a very lineal person too. I'll keep bringing you back to where we started. <laughs> sure. I'm funny. It's just my brain though. It's the way my brain works. Yeah. Um, so you're at university. You are. I actually, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I should probably tell you, I did run a marathon at 18. So I, I, 18? Uh, I, wow. I did too. Um, so I, I did, um, this is quite funny. Um, so I, I was a cross country runner and you yeah. know, it was pretty short through high school. I don't know the longest distance we ever did. I just remember it usually being very muddy and very, very wet. And I remember one time my mom actually like just hoisting us before we came into the house, just covered in mud. You're not getting in the house. <laughs> so that funny. was my memory slip and slide of cross country. Um, but I was involved with a charity at school, I think the Justice and Peace Group, and they had um, a charity in uh, London, um, in Wimbledon. And I don't know if you've heard of the Wombles, the Wombles of Wimbledon. Yeah, I'm you know, British, um, British father. I actually yeah. also went to England when I was 19. I did the opposite. I went to England, you came to Australia. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it because I cannot sing. But anyway, they, um, so every year the charity did, had a group to go to the London Marathon and some people dressed up as big furry Wombles. Um, oh. I did not dress up as a Womble. I had a t-shirt with a Womble on it. And I vividly remember the first time. So I took the whole family down. Um, my mom and dad were in their element, actually. But I just remember getting on the, the tube um, for in London to go to the start of this race. And there was there's three different starts for London Marathon. And I think even then there was 40,000 people um, running. And I remember, like, cramming on the tube. And the Save the Rhinos had the huge, big, like, hard backs. <laughs> and I was just, like, 
I was in my element and I remember it took like, it felt like it took 10 minutes, but it probably wasn't that long to get to the start <laughs> walking for the time, yep. they blew, you know, when they actually put the gun off or the, the start gun. Um, and so I, I hadn't done much training, but I, cause I'd been trying to raise money and I had no idea how to train for a marathon. I was 18. Um, I don't even know if I managed to break 20 K and I did something to my foot and I couldn't run for the six weeks oh, no. before it started, but I'd raised a lot of money and we actually <laughs> overall raised a lot of money. So I was like, I have to like front up. And so I <laughs> very half baked, um, got to, I think, I remember going over um, London Bridge at the halfway mark, still smiling. And then I got to the cobbles and I was like, that was it. And then I saw like the wheelchair athletes, like going over these cobbles thinking, oh, come on, you know, Cheryl, get it together. Look at this feet. And so I kind of got there and um, I actually did trickle in just under four hours, I think for that first That's one. That's awesome. Um, but my brother, um, so two years later when my brother was 18, we did it for the charity again. And I got my own place, but still ran for the charity so I was actually quite lucky to get and an, yeah. like um, my own because um, I had the ballot and everything don't they yeah yeah absolutely um and so Daniel and my brother my brother is just an all-round he is an all-round athlete um and he um like you know he did put some training in but he's really a soccer player and yeah. um but he you know he can turn his hand to anything um very annoyingly and um he um so he got though to I think like um, mile 16 and he kind of hit the wall so I lost and we started together and and I actually had it's probably too much information for the podcast but I had to do a lot of portaloo visits in that (laughs) one and I still managed to get finished one miles ahead of him but (laughs) that was my first experience of that and I fortunately I've not had any other ones like that really um touch wood um (laughs) there's probably still more in my future I'm sure um but he um so he he hit the wall and he's walking with like one of the celebrities there was a celebrity and somebody else and and somebody in his uh like his soccer team passed and his teacher and that was his inspiration to keep going and so he did he did finish and I think it was under five hours and I remember like it the first year I had run it, it ran it. It had took me like it's only K back to Buckingham Palace where your family yeah. are. It took me like I don't know forty minutes to walk it. I was kind oh. of like crippled, and then my brother was like this this time, so it was my turn to look. Um, and he got. I remember I was trying to get on the plane that night, and um, he um, like the the old veterans yeah. were like, "Sonny, you just need to go for a run tomorrow morning." And Daniel's trying to lower himself into the scene. He's like, "I'm never running again." Never. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, oh, I love yeah, it. So. So I didn't do any more marathons for until quite a bit later. That was my, my two marathons. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you did run though while you are at uni, you were saying. You did run and you, you did do mindfulness slash yoga. Slash I was a jogger. No, no, I did yeah. run. I, I would run like the same 40 minute um, or I had a 40 minute route and a 60 minute route. I would run yeah. three times a week. Um, yeah. I did the odd half marathon, um, the odd 10K. I remember the women's 10K in Glasgow the year it was launched. Mm-hmm. There was a bag pipe um uh piper every k yeah. it was great it was just oh, the wow. party so um so i would always try to do yeah um and i pretty much stuck to that yeah for, did um, you do any other sport while you're at uni or was that sort of your way to stay fit no um i did the odd pop mold class and um mostly yoga i did quite a bit of yoga um and 
Uh, I, I like to swim, but I'm not a great yeah. swimmer. I'm Scottish. Yeah. I, I wish if I'd grown up in Australia, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be much better in the ocean. I'm, you know, swimming in a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I sometimes think of Tassie as a bit like Scotland, like where I'm from, except that it's um, maybe not as cold. We do have Whereabouts did you grow up, Michelle, in Tassie? I actually grew up on King Island. You wouldn't because you live in Melbourne. Been. You know where that is. <laughs> have you been there? No, not yet. No. Yeah. So um, that's like lots of water, but it's not like the warmest place. <laughs> no, Tasmania and South Island uh, in New Zealand definitely remind me most of Scotland. Mm. I think, um, yeah, New Zealand has the more dramatic sort of Scottish-like peaks and things that seem to, which are just stunning, just amazing. Anyway. That's ben Lomond in all three of those places, which is interesting. Oh, is there one in New Zealand? I didn't know there was one in, I obviously know there's one in Tassie in Scotland in scotland yeah wow that's cool <laughs> um all right so have you come to australia to uh because it's such a wonderful country and is that where you decided well you started running more over here how did that happen what is your what does running look like when you got to australia yeah so that would be 2008 mm. um, and i was still um doing my so i was doing my specialist qualifications mm. um and so I think it wasn't till, and so I would do the Melbourne half marathon, um, yep. you know, every year. Um, again, I was still, you know, running around the town. I, I lived like seven Melbourne marathons. Probably we've been in the same event area a few times. Um, Sandy Bay half. Yeah. Because yeah. I lived just like rented all along St Kilda Road for quite a long period while I was yeah. training. Um, and then it was when I finally <laughs> spat out the other side and sat my final exam at a very old age, um, 2015, I, um, I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to get back into this. And I entered Melbourne Marathon at that point. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I don't know if my training was, <laughs> again, I've, <laughs> I've not had a great experience with road marathons, I have to say. Um, and um, again, probably did a couple of 20, 25s. And then I... Um, I met, so I met a few people and I don't know, there'd be some great people to have on your podcast. So I met a group, so Les, um, Corson, David Grech, um, um, you know, it's, it's quite a group of us that actually met on the Melbourne Marathon community. Because oh, I, I used to be in the same running club committee with Les in Launceston when he lived in Launceston. I know oh, Les really well. <laughs> Of course. So when the um he and Nicole had literally just moved um to Melbourne, and so he you know he was new as well to to Mm. Melbourne, and he I mean he's always done an Ironman in the past. One of those annoying people said I've only done a marathon at the end of an Ironman. I was like Les, (laughs) so um we um we'd never met and we'd all connected through the training, and then I actually saw him on the course that day. I saw him in the like I, I I mean he looks like he did online which was which yeah. unusual and then we actually <laughs> did all you know make good on on these connections and oh, we good. all started um so we all went for a trail run in the Dandenongs with the Dandenongs trail runners that that Peter set up um and then we all entered two bays um so that was all that year um and so that was my first trail event and I mean there was seven hours we booked a, a booked a big house and and it was incredible um and so you know, I think to to do those trails, to be part of that community, I think that was when I was like, actually, this is, there's something about this. This is really good. Um, and so I just feel like it was a little bit of that connection with people, with 
land with with my running that I had kind of lost um and yeah I so I haven't really stopped going since then um uh, although I, I probably haven't had as much time lately as I want to to really be doing the the trail running <laughs> but for a couple of years there I had more time so for you um trail running became your preferred place to to run definitely yeah mm-hmm. I, I actually you know I think increasingly find it I haven't entered many road events and and even like I mean I will do my local road run at you know at the moment when I'm in the business school I you know I have to run on the roads and find the pavements but I I um I would prefer not to um you know I I think when I lived in Noosa for a bit I was just having the national park on your doorstep or being in Tassie I mean I was there for a couple of years and you know I think you're just spoiled there you can just really go out of your door and up the mountain I'm not actually, for everyone, I'm in Brisbane, but yes, normally I'm in, I was going to say here. Um, I didn't realise you'd been in Tassie as well. So what did you specialise in? Just uh, Emergency. Um, emergency? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so after, you know, what made probably the part that I didn't tell you is, you know, I kind of got my specialist qualification and I was pretty, um, I was pretty kind of done. And I thought that was going to be the peak of my career, yeah. you know, 10, 12 years of studying. And I was a little bit like really narrowed everything. And, and so I actually didn't rush into the consultant job. And, um, and so I did a few things. I, um, I obviously took up running. Um, I did some sports medicine and I did my yoga teacher training. Finally, it's always been plan B. And then, and I did a few, few postgraduate um, teacher trainings as well um, with uh, an endurance coach and um, uh, sorry, um yoga teacher in the US, Sage Rowntree. Oh. She she's got a great course, which I think you would love called Yoga for Athletes, great online studio. Um and also oh, that sounds uh, amazing. You would love it. <laughs> Make um, sure you give me the link to that. She's written some really great books as well. Um and I think the other thing was um I found uh, I did some yoga therapy with a Western trained physician in Singapore and orthopedic surgeon in, in Germany who were both yoga teachers um, who formed like a one was on the international um, committee of yoga therapy and they'd started some modules. So I did a couple of them, one in New Zealand, one here, and, and I haven't quite managed to get through all of them, but, you know, was really starting to look at pranayama and therapy and different medical conditions. And, you know, I find all of that. You know, I mean, fascinating. I, there's so much untapped, and and certainly a lot of it trying to build an evidence base is hard there. But but um, yeah, that that was great. Um, and I also locumed around the country, and you know, realized you know, this Australia is as I knew when I was nine, such a big and and varied place, and there's so much opportunity here if you kind of step outside your comfort zone and. You know, you can go and work in the Blue Mountains Hospital and then run in the Blue Mountains and meet the, and that's the thing, you can meet runners everywhere. And I think that was, I mean, I, I think if I, I don't, there's a lot of things I'm pretty mediocre at, but I, I would say like many of us are, my superpower is like sniffing out the, the runner in some corner of the world. And, <laughs> and suddenly you have, you know, a connection and, um, and you kind of can, <laughs> learn a bit more about the people and the community yeah. and and um and get some great running in um I so. love that that's awesome uh, when were you in Tassie uh so very recently um I was oh. the first half of the pandemic I was up in Queensland and then in 2020 to 22 yeah. I only left in January so Gareth and I met um that's when I did the Overland Track Extreme um, with yeah. Hanny, um, and so we met on that. And then, 
I had already met Jess through Kelly um, and then they'd started Hobart Trail Runners. So I knew Steve. And so, you know, it's really, <laughs> I kind of love that all these little communities are kind of joining together. Um, so it, yeah, I think it's um, pretty special. You were working in Hobart then? Yes. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you ever meet Amy and Jono up in Launceston who look after the shop for Hanny I have met Amy in Victoria like many moons ago when there was a great race that they did, a runners versus cyclist up Mount Donna Biang, which oh, was wow. um, Rapid Ascent. Did it. They only did it one year. I don't think it was interesting enough for the cyclists. And um, it was because it's a vertical K. And I, like, if I had a favourite event to do, it would just be up and then not come back down because I'm not very good at technical oh, design. Wow. I would just like to go up. And the, this was a great event. Um, and, and, you know, the times were actually quite similar between the top three runners and cyclists but it was only 20k up the road for the cyclists it's probably a bit short yeah. um, but amy and i were I, so i met amy doing that um oh, wow. and i was following her um at the weekend i was tracking her she did so well <laughs> gareth i had all i had all my runners like lined up. <laughs> she's up she's my coach as well <laughs> she started coaching me this year so i've known her obviously for a long time fantastic because yeah. tessie's so small as you, as you. And, but produces <laughs> some pretty impressive runners oh, she's um, amazing well they're both amazing actually Gareth they both did really well I was also following them uh, Gareth <laughs> is uh, yeah I think in terms of the holistic runner um, I mean a bit like Jess they he's super consistent um, I've mm. just seen him you know I just he's just improved and improved and improved yeah. and I you know I I I've really loved watching, you know, the evolution of his kind of endurance running journey. Um, and no, I'm so pleased for him. I know that was just, um, and I, I love that our sports become a spectator sport. It's, it's great. It was actually really fun. And I found the technology being a technology person as well um, was good. Yeah. Like actually like being able to even like on my phone or on my computer, I was able to, oh, especially cause it's, you know, 37 hours <laughs> whatever they were out there for. And I was like, wow, it doesn't matter where I was over those almost two days. I could um, check on them. And I think that's got better year on year. Um, Because I remember watching Killian last year and, you know, I I just feel that each year it's just got um, more sophisticated. um, Which makes it as a spectator sport even more. You would love to have been there again though, because I did do, so I did uh, one of Hanny again, Hanny and Graham's tours to Chamonix um that was 2000 and it was the year kelly was fifth um okay. it was that year and i can't remember which year that was if it was 2017 or 18 um and we were there that week um and they the races had just finished and then we did the the whole week of running um and uh you know it, it, the weather had just turned at that point oh. Um, oh. it, <laughs> it looks spectacular magical. like just amazing so magical. Wow. One day, one day I'll go over there and do some of that sort of stuff. Um, all right. So back to you though. So <laughs> I wanted to ask you, do you, you seem like a very driven person. Like to me, you know, what do you think? What do you think when someone says that to you? You feel driven? No. Yeah. I don't know. I think I struggle with that. I think um mm. oh, I um I think I I'm not, I can, I'm not competitive. Um, I think I'm probably a bit self-competitive. I probably set myself some 
goals, but I, I don't know. I think they change and I think I pull back and I, I, um, I think externally, I, I, I suspect that I'm a bit meandering to many people. I have been called a gypsy, um, even like, you know, someone like Hanny Alston has called me a gypsy, which I think, you know, yeah. is interesting. And I remember the first time somebody said that to me and I, kind of like was and then I think over the years I've kind of been actually you know I've kind of embraced it um I've now lived in you know quite a few different places worked in a few different places I've Mm. worn a few different hats and and uh, I don't know what life's a journey isn't it and a gypsy in Australia is probably just someone who moves around a bit a gypsy in other parts of like Europe and stuff is often has a slightly different connotation yes they move around but they have a different perception so maybe that was your first (laughs) no it could be um yeah interesting because you like when you describe you know all of the things that you've done and even with your work career um, let alone some of the uh, amazing running and things that you've done, you think, you know, th- that's a lot to pack into, you know, half of your life, really. Like you, you've done a lot already, which is. But I'm, I'm single and I don't have kids. Um, and so, you know, you have to put it in that context. I've yeah. probably been able to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, maybe if things had been different, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe I am single and I don't have kids because I've done all of the other things. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I think I got a feeling that whether if you were not single and had kids, you still would have done most of those things. (laughs) Because some people just do. They're just that. And driven may not be the right word. Yeah, having said that, you know, I do things. Yeah, I have a few people writing about me that I just who yeah have partners and children and are doing yeah. incredible things. And I'm thinking, how do they do that? <laughs> I've got- Too many, but but that I find quite inspiring. Yeah. Um, I think when we fit into life, few- what what we have eyes for, or what we have passions for, we chase these. But then at the same time, you look at other people's lives sometimes, and they don't. They go to work, come home, watch the telly go to work, come home, watch the telly. They don't, they don't necessarily um, pack some of these other things in. And I'm very grateful that I'm the kind of person who wants to pack some, you know, a few things in, achieve a few things, even if sometimes it feels unachievable. <laughs> but um, but if the opposite to me seems, yeah, uh, not not inspiring for myself, for my way to live life. So I'm, I'm inspired by the fact, you know, by all those things that you have, that you've done. I think that's, awesome and that you that you're continuing con, con, that's not even a word that you're continuing to um to evolve and to you know uh, build on what you've already done and you know as you described even with your medical stuff and how that's layering up and and you're branching out into mindfulness meditation stuff and then trying to put them all together and you know that's all awesome I think I think that you know I, particularly in my running community you know I mean, I suspect you would agree with this. I, I, I see a lot of people who, you know, particularly in runners, I don't know, they just, they kind of can do people, you know, they, they might yeah. have, I think Steve Appleby is like my, you know, I have to mention him here because he's kind of my shining yeah. example of this. You know, he, when he had that really nasty ankle injury, he, um he let himself mope on the couch for half mm-hmm. a day and mm-hmm. that was it. Yeah. And then he was like, right okay, I'm getting in the pool. I'm doing the the water jogging. I'm doing all the rehab. I'm going to just like do this. Yeah. And, and I, I was like, oh, 
I, I kind of was in awe of that because he was like, I'll have half a day to feel sorry for myself and that's it. I'm just moving on. And I, I thought that was just incredible. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have had more than half a day. Um, in fact, when I broke my elbow, I did, I, you know, <laughs> I was running down Alum Cliffs. It was my first injury. And I, oh, really? It was one of those days where I should have stayed in bed, really. Oh, <laughs> no, because I mean, I was going to ask you, have you had any injuries? Well, that, that was probably my first like operation injury. I um I should have either stayed in bed or waited a bit longer and gone running with Andrew. Um, but I went out on my own and I just slipped and I went up and onto my elbow. And I was really annoyed because I was 45 minutes into my 90 minute run. And I was like, oh, that's so annoying. And so I was like, I'll be fine. I'll just keep going. And then I got up. I was like, no, no, I'm going to pass out. It's like, and I went down. I'm lying there. I'm like, going to get up again. I couldn't, I couldn't really think what bit of me was sore. And I was like, oh, I realized I said, I think I've broken it. Um, So that was a bit of a walkout. And and I thought, oh, it's probably just a little fleck off the electronon, you know. I was going to say, myself to medicine, isn't that your specialty? (laughs) I looked at it. I was like, oh, no, I can't fix that. That was very upsetting. I don't think I've Ah. ever heard of anyone, you know, saying that they'd broken their elbow. That's kind of unique, is it? Is that happen often? Oh no, 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 definitely a thing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Obviously, it's a thing. I just not just haven't heard of it. Like it's not, you know, I've broken my leg, I've broken my arm, I've broken my wrist. I don't think I've heard of people saying they've broken their elbow, but obviously they do. Some of things. It was, it was <laughs> pretty mild, um, and you know, I had such good treatment. But and, and my my elbows were already kind of weapons, and now I've got metal in there, and it's like even more so. But oh, but wow. I remember like not being able to. Like, I think the thing was, it was my right hand. And um, it was quite funny because I have a, a friend who's a triathlete who had the exact same injury two years off the bike um, two years before me. And he messaged yeah. me because I remember like following his Instagram story. And there was a couple of his um, friends who'd had similar injuries. And all the guys were like, like, do you know what? It's so hard to wipe your ass. And uh, I'll, if I'm allowed to say that on the podcast, and all the women were like, you cannot do your hair. You cannot do your hair. And that was the thing. Lord. I couldn't tie my hair back. Um, you know, and I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty good with my yoga. Um, but that was flexing. It was annoying. <laughs> you know, those, um, is that late night telly? Not even late night telly now, but those silly little things you didn't know that you needed. Sometimes they have things that are something to do with putting your hair up you think there might be an, an easier way to do it because I, I, I think Kelly sent me something that um Taria Pitt you know when she had severe burns was trying to like when she was in recovery yeah. tried to, to like she did a video of trying to get her hair up but it wasn't very good and it didn't really work so I think it's a really hard one I think you do actually need another person I've decided there's a way where you can kind of lean against the wall and but they're all very all very awkward <laughs> But I um there was a beautiful physio in Tassie and I hadn't quite managed, like I got my cast off and I only had like 40 degrees of movement and I was just like, oh no, this is gonna be a disaster. And then um, because you're that's the, the depressing thing about you know what we put above elbow casts on kids really because we should immobilize above and below joints, but we can do that with adults, even if that would be the best treatment, because we get stiff. It doesn't take much to get stiff once you start, <laughs> which is depressing. And so I was like, Oh, this is so stiff. And I, you know, I kept like I went down the rabbit hole of oh, you know, what if this doesn't come back and what if I can't do this? 
this and that. The Those thoughts thing. we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and I did a lot of yoga through that period. Interestingly, um, I had a, actually a, again side tangent. I had another friend who's a runner, in, a doctor and a runner in France, um, who's a yoga teacher. And she literally, we had both had, and her injury was much worse. She came off a bike, broke her back and broke both of her wrists um, just a few weeks before I did my um, injury. And literally, you know, she couldn't do anything. And and she'd been doing a few online yoga tutorials to this. And we were doing a lot of, you know, pranayama and kind of internal practice. But she thought, I'm going to do an offering for hand yoga. She thought, I have no idea who will come to this. And she had 250 people come to an online wow. hand yoga class. She had like pianists and people that use oh, their hands. amazing. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, so oh, I love that. Um, besides the, um, I do just, Oh, no, it's fine. I can't even hear it. That phone never rings. <laughs> <laughs> Until it rings. <laughs> it's fine. Um, you know, that, that um, the hand yoga just makes me think of, you know, my desire to introduce more mindfulness into movement practices like running um, because people often don't think of them as something that they can do together. Like they often think if you're a runner or well, you're moving and you obviously can't practice meditation and mindfulness stuff very well, or you think you can't or whatever, like that's all just supposition and not true, but you can actually do a lot of the things we're talking about mindfulness things while you're moving, you don't actually always have to be as much as that does help your practice to do a more formal practice. You don't have to always be stationary and to get into that space. In fact, often, I don't know if you've heard of me talk about it on the podcast, but we get to that state anyway, when we're in that kind of flow in those runs where things just all move really well. And there's a period where you think, oh, I could just do this forever. And then five minutes later, you're thinking, this is really hard, but um, you know, in our, when we get the running flow, where we sort of are hitting that anyway. So, anyway, going down another rabbit hole again. With your running, what events have you done that you've really enjoyed? Oh, I, I did say I liked, you know, the that vertical key was a good mm-hmm. event. Um, yeah like the Mount Dandenong roller coaster run you know up and down the the Dandenongs they've been good um I really enjoyed Chamonix and and I did another tour with Chris Ord um in um Croatia this was all pre-COVID we did the trails um and sails so that was fantastic so we um they chartered a yacht and we went around the islands and so the morning was running new trails and then the afternoon was eating and chilling and playing cards and and then you would just dock in a, another part and and that was really phenomenal and I'd really love to do another one of his tours he's got quite a few um good ones um I think there's one coming up in Greece so oh, unfortunately wow. I can't do and he does one across the Lake District um Trails and Eels um which is good as well so um you know I think wow. those kind of events are great um I had so I, I think, that, you know, too, I like to, if I can combine, you know, a holiday, holiday I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, a holiday and a conference and, and some running, you know, I will try and make that happen. And so again, pre-COVID, I was going to Prato in Italy for 
an, an emergency medicine conference. There's a yeah. little branch of Monash in Prato. It's like little yeah. Australia. It's quite funny. And um, so I thought, oh, right, I'm going to try and find a race. And um, I went online and I uh, I found this race, de Piazza, de Piazza. Mm-hmm. And it was a two-day um, race that I think it was, 30 then 35 um, and most people do it out and then back yeah and I was arriving only on the Sunday for the second part and it was all in Italian so I did I think I did some translating um, and kind of realized that I needed to get some kind of medical form which I kind of sent them and I, I think I sent them some money and anyway I, I was pretty much you like <laughs> yeah I I, I I had some kind of acknowledgement but I basically got there um, and I had to get up at like some silly hour to get on a bus to take me out to the where everybody had run to yesterday yeah. and it yeah. was dark it was like half four in the morning and I kind of pitch up and everybody's speaking Italian so nobody has any English and they kind of look at me and I don't have a race bib and I don't have anything so they just bundle me on the bus and I'm seeing all these people with like Fidenzi marathon and everything and I'm like okay I'm, I'm in the right place and so the weather <laughs> was pretty bad it was kind of a thunderstorm although it was summer um so I did have all my, my waterproofs and everything on and we kind of like bust through the mountains for about an hour and a half and I get there and Still, I don't really have a bib or anything. And everybody's kind of looking at me. And then, you know, somebody says to somebody else and then the race director comes and he he kind of finds, eventually finds his nephew who can translate. And so he does the translation and then they're like, oh, okay. And so they then take a photo with me and then buy me a cap. There's a little cafe in the mountains. They buy me a croissant and a, um, a, a cappuccino and I'm like so when does the race start and they're like oh it's already started <laughs> people are like hiking and and so I'm like right okay so I start running and um there was a few runners but they've kind of gone on and so eventually I catch up with a runner and um <laughs> there is um there was a, 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 a like this lovely man who had a bit of English who was singing to me in in like I think Scottish and, and so I kind of bonded with him and then I kind of kept running and then I kind of like was at the front or near the front um and I took a wrong turn and I am a bit I think Les would say I'm a, I have a bit of form in this um, area. Um, when I'm really enjoying my running, I get a bit lost. And so I ended up like doing a whole 5K extra loop and doubling back. But I think there was meant to be, I don't think they quite got the ambulance with the direction there yet. So it was there when I came back. So I think that was probably why I got went wrong. Anyway, I then met two great um, uh, runners from Bologna. So they were new to the place as well. And we were running together. We'd done the first climb and, and oh, I think the funny thing was at 10K, and it was pretty early, and it had my croissant and my cappuccino. At 10K, everybody stopped for the full-on buffet. You know, there was the bruschetta, the mortadella. And I'm like, uh, I think it would pass. It's a little bit early yet. So I kind of lost, you know, you lose people then. And so I kind of kept going. And we'd been going for about three and a half hours by this time. And it was getting, the weather was awful. And my even my good waterproof had kind of like, yeah. It was it done. Yeah. And I, I, I just see like through the mist, there was this sign saying Ristoro. Um, and so you go into this like cafe in the mountains and this old man like put a bin bag over me and they gave me like a bowl of pasta. And it was so amazing. <laughs> and so the three of us then head out again, <laughs> like to the next climb. And then we get lost again. The three of us get lost. 
I don't know how we managed to navigate, um, but we we finally get back on track and we've been running for quite a while by this time. And then it's just like there was a clearing um, and then you could see the valley. And then we just, it was, it was sublime. So we ran down the mountain and then halfway down, we got some sweet tea and then we ran back into the city. And so I get in there and they, they I get this kind of, you know, heroines welcome. Who is this strange Scottish woman who has joined our race? And they do an interview with me on, on their social media Facebook page. And then they say, we're having a prize giving on Friday. Do you want to come? Oh. You know, it was just wonderful. Oh, it's <laughs> like, I am really quite nutty, but I think we're all a bit like that, aren't we? I'm sure any, like anybody on your podcast could totally see themselves. <laughs> It does sound, it, it kind of sounds a bit like a movie, you know, where a foreigner finds themselves suddenly in this thing, <laughs> but they just go with it and just enjoy it. And it just becomes an amazing experience. I'm improving my Italian the next time I do it. Um, <laughs> and I think just one other one that I've really wanted to do for so long was the, um, the Highland Fling. Um, so trail running wasn't really a thing when I left Scotland, but obviously it's picked up there now. We we have the, the Glencoe series and, you know, there's still a lot of soup and sandwich um, kind of fell running style races in Scotland. But the um, so the Highland Fling has been running for a number of years and it starts where I grew up in. Well, I grew up in, I didn't grow up there, but I moved there um, near Mulgai um, and I used to work in the, the Tesco's there. And so that's the start of the West Highland Way. Um, and the full course obviously takes you right up to Fort William, but the Highland Plains, the mini version of that. So very like the Overland track, but it's a 53 yep. miler and it finishes at Tindrum. And so oh, I wow. entered that just before COVID and then got in and I was so excited and then COVID happened. So then it didn't happen for two years. Um, so last year um, I got over um, for that, but <laughs> got quite injured and really wasn't ready for it. Had a hamstring injury, I think for like, <sighs> Six weeks before it, and I kind of got there, and but I reunited with family. We just said about the fact that I hadn't seen family for a while. We went via yeah. Dubai to see my brother, and and um, I um, it, <laughs> the, I mean, I I live my my parents' house is right next to the start line practically, so I had had no excuse, and it was sunny. The weather was great, and I was like, like, what? what? <laughs> I need to start this. I just need to go. And so, you know, I met another one. I mean, this is it. I've met some of my great friends and races. And, um, you know, I, I ran with a few people for the first, I think, 45 or so. And, and then I was kind of done. Um, and um, I, <laughs> I called my mom and she's like, do you want to go for afternoon tea? I'll come and pick you up. And then I was like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'm really at the aid station. And so I got there and they're like, you're not pulling out. <laughs> walk this and, and still get in well before the cutoff <laughs> and meanwhile there was a chap that I'd been running um an Irish fell runner who was actively vomiting because it was kind of like 18 degrees which was unseasonably warm for the, the Irish <laughs> at that time of year and he was determined he was still going and they're like look at that as, as they see me wolfing stuff at the <laughs> what is your excuse <laughs> so I'm afraid I I got pretty bad blisters because I probably walked more than I'd ever walked in those shoes. And I just hiked at home with quite a lot of other people, actually. It was good. There was quite a few people recovering from COVID and all kinds of things. <laughs> like I did one convalescing out the back. <laughs> but it was a great event. I'd like to do it again. But, you know, I suspect I'll never get those kind of conditions. The, the weather was amazing. <laughs> 
But it sounds like you missed out on, was it morning tea, did you say your mum was coming to get you for? Yeah. It would have been afternoon tea. Afternoon tea. Oh, well. I probably made up for it the next day. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What is What does your running look like now? Like what, are you, what does your everyday running look like? So I'll probably run about 50 to 70K a week. Um, yeah. I think my ideal is to have a nice uh, opportunity if I'm not working at the weekends to do a nice long trail run with uh, the crew on yeah. Sunday, ideally. Um, I like to do a little session um, at one point through the week if that's hills or intervals or something. But otherwise, it's just you know, it's just a jog for an hour um, yeah. wherever I am. Um, how, do you, how do you fit it in? Because I'm assuming your life is quiet, I see. I, so I, I've been doing, because I'm doing, um, like you probably mentioned, I'm doing um, a, an MBA business school, which is residential in blocks, and that's based in Melbourne. So I'm kind of locuming around that at the moment. So I've been doing a lot of work interstate. Um, so, you know, so I, I do shift work, so I can run in the mornings or run in the evenings. And just, um, I find the running in Northern Territory to be pretty hard, though. Yeah. <laughs> so. So you're like um, cold, like hot. <laughs> I'm that bear. Porridge too hot. Porridge too cold. Just right. <laughs> so is Melbourne just right? Um, I think Noosa was just right a few weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> it was interesting. It was actually. I was there a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was perfect. It was uh, with the uh, the local crew there, the Nutters, um, a couple of doctors, the uh, local GPs that are part of them, and. Um, yeah, no, they're a great group. They do their Tuesday Pelican run, which is great. So they run from the big Pelican into the park and then back. Oh, yeah. Well, that would be nice, actually. Oh. We um, we were on the North Shore, the house sitting. So it's quite flat over there. That's when Amy sent me like a hill run. I'd be like, um, <laughs> we might have to get in the car or on the kayak to <laughs> find a hill. <laughs> have you um, have you run um, out in Mapleton? No. So no. one of my favorite trails is the Conda Lila um out and back. It's a bit like well, I love Tanglewood in the national park. That's great. You can never run that trail and be grumpy at the end of it. But I really love Conda Lila. It's like a little secret garden. So you can do from the start out and back is 21k and, and it's almost exclusively covered. Like so even if it's raining, you don't yeah. get wet. It's kind of weird because it's Beautiful. just the trees converge yeah. um and it is it's like the secret garden um, that'll give you the shade as well mm. so i would put that on your your list i will i'll put it on my list i will be back um i know i just asked you that question but about your um, how you fit it in so do you at the start of the week because like, i'm a planner <laughs> at the start of the week do you think well this is what i've got in this week this is where i'll fit my run is it how you work it out or yeah, does it just kind of happen for you? I think these I'm quite organic about it these days. And I do tune in more to my body because if I don't yeah. feel like running, I won't. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I think I, I don't run every day and I'll aim like I will swim or I'll do a yoga yeah. session. Um, I really quite like, I've been kind of liking just more for kind of more strength and conditioning. Um, I like um, Pilates um, and more like a really like hip Pilates and I don't know if you tried hot hip Pilates and in Noosa they actually do some great um, inferno Pilates but I found a, a studio locally here quite recently because I just had gone back to the Noosa place um, and remembered how much I like because I do my own my, 
you know, I mostly do my own yoga practice now, but I also do my own mat Pilates, but it's quite nice to have somebody, you know, take you through because yeah. I suspect like, you know, it's a bit like guided, the, the more, um, guided meditation. I get a bit lazy. Yeah. I like to be guided. Um, so and I think the same with yoga, I will put on, you know, I'll occasionally put on a, um, actually not infrequently put on, a, a like a video, um, yoga. So one of my, one of the instructors that I love um, is a woman called Leslie Fightmaster, um, who very sadly um, died a couple of years ago, which was 50. And oh, no. um, she, like, well, before the pandemic, um, like she's left a legacy. She had about six years of online um, yoga and her husband and her sons have kept that on, oh, wow. um, which is lovely. Um, and um I nearly I interacted with her um on like a uh, kind of but via email and I was nearly going to go to one of her retreats in Italy but never quite got there she's from the US yeah. um but I feel like like Leslie's in my life still <laughs> very regularly and I think it's very powerful um that she's left that legacy for so many people yeah. there's like this very accessible yoga. Um, I did do a lot of teaching for a while and I did some yoga for runners and and ah. I've just started to kind of get back. I'm, I kind of miss the teaching. I haven't really had time for it, but mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking about how I can bring that back in. Um, to a group of MBA students last week for, you know, yoga for tight and tired CEOs. So, um, um, and I'll be doing that for emergency doctors next month. So I just, you know, it's athlete. I mean, a lot of that is rest and digest for athletes. And I think Sage, you know, would kind of, there's so many um, facets of yoga that are useful for runners and for athletes. So um, is there anything that you can give me that I can put in the show notes that we can point? Cause there'll be heaps of people if they're listening to me, they hear me talk always about mindfulness. So, you know, yoga is an extension of that. Well, mindfulness is included in yoga, not necessarily is yoga, yeah. of course, but um, who'd be really interested. So is there, if you can give me some things that I can put I in. I think some of Sage's um, links would be good because she has written, I mean, she's a um, an author for Runner's World as well. So she's yeah. actually done quite a few dedicated um, pieces and you do that and I will send you the the yoga for athletes studio link because I think you would love it um, I'd really recommend it as a program um, and again you know she was also ahead of her time in terms of a real quality online classroom yeah. you know it, it's really interesting to see people like that who you know they are the where will the puck be next they've kind of gone there well before everybody yeah. else um, I think of those the kind of people that really inspire me um, mm. you know people that are thinking <laughs> already where are we going to be in five years and where do we need to go to yeah, and how do I? How can I start that mm. in that direction already? <clears throat> Excuse me, I've been trying not to cough, but now I'm coughing without. <laughs> um, all right, if you could send me those links, that would be incredible. Is there a race in your future that you're planning to do at the moment? That you're. I think I just said to Brett yesterday. Um, I, so I haven't run a hundred k. Um, I've got close. I've done the eighty three, but. I would quite like to do one and it's got to be, so I've got to be quite specific. It's got to be point to point. Um, okay. I don't want to do loops. I don't want to yeah. do out and back. Um, and I think it would be nice to do something local to start for my first. Um, and so it hasn't happened this year, but I'm hoping now that um, Chris and Andy have taken over, it will happen next year. Um, and October, I hopefully will be finished my MBA. Um, so um the uh great ocean walk 
um, hundred. That would be my kind of aim. So maybe think, yeah, I'll, 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 maybe the more I see it, it will be. I'll hold myself accountable. The to more that. you'll make it happen. <laughs> but the fun thing, just on the. Um, and I, I don't have anything really in the immediate future at the moment, just with kind of schedule, but um, I'm going to be in Germany um, for one of my modules um, next March for um, the business school. And, you know, and I love that I'm not even the instigator of this. There's a couple of runners in the group and they have booked. Oh. So we actually have all signed up for it last week, uh, an Echo Trail race in Paris and um, so it finishes, I think it starts at Versailles, finishes at the Eiffel Tower. Um, there's like so many options. There's Nordic walking. So it's really accessible for all of the group. And there's going to wow. be people walking, people crewing. There's, I don't think there's time for the 45 or the 80, but I'm going to do the 30. Um, there's a 10 and a 21 and there's walking five and 10. I mean, what more could you want? That's beautiful. Um, so we're going to do that. And somebody's booking a big house and I'm like, yes, yes this is great. <laughs> it wasn't even me it wasn't me I promise it was me I love that <laughs> that's awesome that's quite cool um <laughs> and, and I'm going to India uh for my next module um but I, I think the running is going to be tough there <laughs> um, tell me about your MBA <laughs> it's a very um very yeah no it, it's great. I feel very lucky to be doing it um so it's a it's global um and it as I see it's in blocks so um, I'll hopefully get back to the US um, next year as well. And yeah, I'm just going to park this that if one of my dear friends manages to qualify for Western States, I will happily crew her um, because it's about the same time. So <laughs> that is the other thing on the the side, you know, you got to have a side adventure planned. <laughs> so the MBA, how does it, how does that work? Like, tell me about it a little bit. Um, so it's 18 months, um, I think usually I do three subjects every um, block. And so I've done three so far and I basically live in the business school for those nine days. Um, and I think for me, you know, being a doctor, um, being quite qualitatively, qualitatively, mm. that's the word, minded, um, you know, I, I come from a family of uh, people who are good at finance and who are accountants. And I'm very much uh you know the odd one out um and so it's been pretty challenging for me I think in that respect um to do more quantitative subjects in fact I feel like I really was like I felt quite thick actually <laughs> we'll see the last module I think it like a lot of new information coming at me at once and um I uh you know I had that feeling I've not had for like maybe since I was at school where I've kind of looked around the room and thought oh geez everybody gets this except me <laughs> and so that's been very humbling um but but it's wonderful and I think the I think for me the the best bit about it is getting to um meet and interact and and really learn from a group of senior professionals across industry um across profession and a, across culture we're really a, you know a truly diverse group and I think that has been the most encouraging thing about that it's maybe not the diversity that you actually see um a, a, a in senior leadership you know across yeah. the country it's probably what we should aspire to but um but um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, that's the the, the big um, win and an opportunity I wouldn't have otherwise. So why? Why are um, you doing that? I think why there's a longer answer to that. Um, something I've thought about for a while. And I think for me, it's, it's a way to see things differently. And I think particularly in healthcare right now, um, and we really need to look outside ourselves um, and 
you know, I think if you, <laughs> nothing changes if we keep doing the same things. And, and it's really about broadening my lens, broadening my frame um, and, and, and learning from expertise elsewhere. Um, and I'm sure I've got, you know, I'm sure there are things that I can contribute in that space too. Um, and it will be different things. Um, but but uh, that for me is, is why I've actively sought it out. Um, wow. Because a lot of people don't, we talk about this on the podcast, actually, it makes me think about people getting uncomfortable. Mm. And so much of our community, their main aim is the next comfort spot. How do they get comfortable? Whereas especially runners who do, you know, anything, actually almost all runners, I suppose, once you become an adult, um, it's uncomfortable. There are elements of being, of running is uncomfortable. So we're deliberately putting ourselves into that space of being uncomfortable. But you're also, you know, you're also doing that other areas of your life as well. So I find that fascinating and really cool because it's all yeah. growth as well. I don't know if you were part of, there was an, ex, oh, I think it was, they asked for a lot of runners, um, it, it particularly, I think it was uh, ultra runners or endurance runners to participate in a study where they, there was the ice bucket test. And then I think there was like lots of images that, were really quite you know upsetting like kind of shown to you and they were measuring like heartbeat responses and whatever mm-hmm. do, 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 I don't know if you participated no in that but or, I understand what well. you're saying but no yeah no. and you could probably envisage you know what that you know that that most of those runners unless they had Reynolds in which case they were um you know not allowed to participate and I, I know quite a few runners who with Reynolds so I actually think you know that was the probably a flaw of that study because they you know actually <laughs> excluded quite a proportion of potential. I did ice bath recently though I was in Hawaii a few weeks ago and I got in an ice bath I just didn't put my hands in the ice <laughs> the rest <Nice>. of my <laughs> um but yeah we're we're you know able to to have their hands in there a bit longer um you know I mean I think probably I wasn't the the best person to be shown like kind of graphic medical images because that would probably not really you're already a bit desensitized yeah yeah exactly um but um but but I have felt much more uncomfortable um you know that in this kind of business school space than you know I think this week I really wanted to just <laughs> sweat and and be uncomfortable I was in my hip pilates class in my zone like quite <laughs> happily like holding my chair pose and you know get up and and I felt like this is the eye of the storm I can do you know I didn't feel like that last week I felt like I was in control <laughs> there but <laughs> yeah well, what is I love I, I really love that though that the uncomfortable the doing things that you that you know that you're not an expert in you know and, and that we also have talked a lot on the podcast about failure and how important it is that we fail and in a business perspective that's almost like a number one thing for at least modern businesses who are doing um, like minimal viable product stuff which is something I'm doing on the side because the quicker you fail, the quicker you iterate and get the next, you know, you know, the step to go in and the step not to go in. Um, but we don't teach that at school. We don't teach that at university. You know, it's all, you know, hit for the A, you know, go for the the top score all the time. The distinctions are higher distinctions, but don't fail along the way. You know, if you fail along the way, in fact, some kids, you know, they get really, not just kids, but adults, they get really upset. They don't get, you know, those, because that's what the expectation or the, that's what we teach them that they should be aiming for rather than celebrating when you don't, when you don't, when you fail, whatever the word you use, it's probably we should use different vernacular. Instead you celebrate because that means we've cut that path off. We know it's not a good one. We're going to try this other one and we're 
yeah. Anyway, I can. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I, there's a there's a bigger conversation there, and and I know I agree, and and I think when you take, you know, particularly medical culture and failure, um, you know, it, it's it does have other connotations, and I I think you know that. <sighs> this is where the kind of perfectionism stoicism the competition that you see um kind of go up the the chain yeah. you know and, and it is quite a hierarchical system i mean we're not, we're not the only profession to have that oh, but it yeah. actually creates more problems um because we're humans and it, you know working now in systems that are very fallible and you know particularly i i think um more recently it's you know very much a laboratory there's a, a lot of the work we do and I, um, and you know a lot of that is being able to to role model that um because I'm just not going to get get it right <laughs> every day it's just not possible um, and I think on that topic I've got a great book coming um which is hopefully I think the pre-order launches today um so Amy Edmondson's new book um she wrote the fearless organization um I've had her on my podcast actually so she's Ooh. great one to listen to um but she um so she's a professor at Harvard Business School and she's just written a book on failure <laughs> and um and so I'm really looking forward to that um but you know her kind of um area of expertise is psychological safety yeah oh I love that oh I'd be fascinated by that too oh my god there's just not enough hours in the day sometimes mm. I think to get into all the things that I keep a crack open a door to something that I find interesting like this stuff. Um, and then you sort of follow it a bit, but then you realize there's another door over there. I really want to learn about that too. <laughs> and podcasting does that to you, but thank goodness you can run and listen to audible and podcast oh, at the same so time. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I really need to be more mindful sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to have runs where I don't listen to things or some, sometimes I'm listening to things when I'm running and then I realize I haven't heard anything because I've just been, you know, either or with that's my thoughts. I get lost in races. <laughs> yeah, there's that. But that's why your podcast is a value add because you can listen and actually, you know, think about your jive breathing and, you know, that's so right. you're, you're exactly. actually doing mindfulness and runners. I love it. I love it. Yes, yes now look Thank around you. you. Where is the path? Where are your feet? Have you seen any directions lately? <laughs> Giving you directions. Anyway, that's just being silly. Um, how long do you think you'll run for, Cheryl? in your life it's a good question isn't it um I think when it doesn't it's not fun anymore um you know I at the end of the day I I do this for fun um we all do this for fun I do it for connection you know I'm pretty sure I'll still connect with the people um I'll run well it's fun um and and you know then I'll walk and and then I'll swim and you know you know it's it's I, I see, I think the, uh, the pool exercises are really, really um, uh, like, you know, particularly as you get older, because the whole um, like community of people, although I'm the person usually water jogging in the pool, but I can see myself being part of the pool community uh, doing the water jogging when the running yeah. is longer, um, you know, when the body's decided <laughs> I'm done, but, but I'd love to, to, you know, I know a lot of runners who, you know, really are inspiring me, although I'll have to, um, do, do you know, you're in Brisbane, though, do you know um, Digger, um, Bruce Hargreaves, uh, the, uh, so he's a Spartan runner and he is, oh, I, I love following him because he's, he's done so many Melbournes, he's Spartan, yeah. he's done lots yeah. of comrades, but he, um, he used to like, the days before GPS is he'd write all his splits down um in his notebook um and you know a lot of the the great runners yeah. have done that and yeah. um and he once showed the depreciation of his splits like <laughs> over time and 
I've decided like my, and I actually thought that was pretty depressing, um, but I've decided the whole aim is that, you know, it's all about the rate of depreciation. So my whole aim now is not to depreciate too much. Um, and, it, you know, it turns out that if you don't depreciate too much, you know, when you enter all the local races, you know, if you do all quite well, they give you a wine glass or a beer glass, I've discovered. So you, you need to like, when your age category, you get a wine glass bigger than your head. And so that that's kind of where that's I am okay. at at the moment. <laughs> I just try not to, like, I used to be very competitive when I was younger when I and faster, and now I'm just not fast at all. And I'm just like, not fast either. I don't care anymore. Like, it's, I'm telling myself I don't, you know, and so, because there's still that little bit of a competitive thing when someone goes, oh, I run a lot of handicap races here in, well, in Launceston. So when someone passes me that I maybe would have passed in the, in the past, or I can't quite catch somebody ahead of me that I should be able to because they started before me because they're slower than me. Yeah, I get a little bit angry with myself, even though I'm, I'm not. competitive with my 30-year-old and my 20-year-old self. But my, my dad is kind of my role model. Um, so he... He, he he does run a little bit, but he's a soccer player. And so he's 71 this year and um, soon be 72. Um, he probably wouldn't appreciate me telling everyone that, but but he, actually I think he will because yeah, he, he looks amazing. And he still plays quite competitive um, soccer at the weekends. That's um, awesome. When he started, um, I mean, he's played all his life, but yeah. um the you know the other men were half his age my, my kind of my brother's age and they've all obviously got older with time yeah but you know in, in the morning it's the and you know it's the, the the ritual starts you know it's the broca it's the the you know and he still does the running through the week to keep up his cardiovascular and he's doing a bit yeah. of strength training and you know he, he really thinks about you know I mean it's 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 great to see and his physio is on speed dial and his best friend you know and I think he just goes there for a chat to be honest and to have another bit <laughs> pulsed and whatever so I think you probably need that I'm, I'm thinking about all the tools you need as you age um a physio who's your best friend on speed dial is probably not bad um no, it's pretty uh, good <laughs> we've got um one of our best friends is a doctor. He's now retired, GP, and we find and he's and a runner, and he's very handy to have on speed dial too, <laughs> for that reason. And we do a lot of long, like day long, well, multiple day hiking as well with him, which is also again very good because if anything happens, we're like he tells us as long as nothing happens to him, we're all good. <laughs> But you know, that is the thing. I'm just thinking about our upcoming um, trip to India. And I'm, I'm like, to people like, you need this and this and this. And I'm like, I better not get sick here. <laughs> I need you. <laughs> I love it. Um, now, can you think of, you, you've reflected on a couple of your races. Can you think of a time when you've been running either training or just an, or in a race, doesn't matter, where you had that flow that we talked about before it's, that you could reflect yeah. on? Um, so, you know, I've had a couple of races where I've kind of come into myself and, um, yeah. And I, I, I'm trying to think the, the, the latest, I had a run not that long ago, actually in March, I had a bit of a, you know, spell where I was running quite well again. And I just did the local, um, Sharpies beer run on the trails and it was lovely because it wasn't too busy. Um, and I think just towards the end, I actually met someone else that I was talking to, but I just, you know, I just had a real, yeah. And I've had that on the, the, the roller coaster run. I've had it on that Condalila trail. I think, you know, I think I probably can get there relatively easily. Um, it doesn't have to be racing, but, um, yeah, yeah. I 
think I can find a wee bit of that when I try on on even your average one. Which I love. And I guess what I'm trying to get across to a lot of runners is if you know a little bit about mindfulness, you can. You can tap into it when you need it, which actually brings me to another question that I wanted to ask. Is there a time in your life that you can reflect upon that running has really helped because other things are going on in your life, whether it's, you know, whatever, personal stuff? I think always. (laughs) I mean, I think always. Mm -hmm. That's just, I mean, I think running isn't something I have to think about to do. And I think a lot of, you know, runners, well, because I have run all of my life, it's kind of like I've identified as a runner since I've been very young. So I, I think it's just part of what I do, who I am. And it it is probably a way that I decompress. And, you know, I've just used that to, you know, organize my thoughts, organize my day either before, you know, I'm usually, yeah, sometimes I run in the morning, sometimes I run in the evening, sometimes I run in the middle of the day. It's, um, because yeah. your work itself, like emergency medicine, is, is that what you're practicing as well at the moment when you're not studying and traveling and running and all those other things? Um, that's like hard work, not just physically, but emotionally very hard. So I guess, you know, the running, you've always had the running even while you've been doing that work. And perhaps I don't want to put words into your mouth, but it, it's helped you cope with the stresses of the job that you've chosen. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has. Um, you know, I think a lot of jobs are stressful. These days. Mm. I think life can be, you know, feel oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I just in general, I, I, I see because I see it. You know, I see people, <laughs> and that's my job. And and exactly. I just think, you know, in terms of general, you know, anxiety, and you're particularly seeing it in younger people, and but you're seeing it in all ages. And you know, I think, uh, I think the yoga and the mindfulness practice is a big part of that. But um, but definitely running is 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 an outlet for me and. Um, but I think even more so in recent times, it's been the people that it's brought into my life. And, mm-hmm. and I did feel for a while that, um, and, and I, I suppose the thing that I haven't said um, that was so impressed me about my running community, and we've talked a little bit about failure and vulnerability. And, you know, and I, I know that you, a lot of your podcast is, you know, not just on our physical health, but but our mental and our mm-hmm. social well-being as well. And, and I saw a group, um, you know, of, of trail runners in particular who were able to talk about their mental health and and you know and the impact that that has um the, the running has and and be quite open and be supported then by a community whereas I was very conscious like and even then I think things are improving but I, I'm part of a community where people do struggle and it, it's still very much a stigma um to admit you have you're struggling um yeah. you know particularly um with mental health as a doctor as a nurse um and, and, you know, and I think I've got some great friends who've been very vocal about their struggles, um, but also been very isolated. Um, yeah. And I think I just, I, I saw something very different in my running community than I was seeing in my medical community, which, you know, which was very disappointing to me in a group that, you know, it, it, the whole premise is that we are caterers and that, but, but in many ways that, you know, embracing our own humanity and in, in, in healthcare has is still a challenge. Mm. And I think, you know, I, again, I probably didn't, you know, another side of the the MBA and a lot of the work that we're doing is, I think that we really do need system um, and cultural change. And I think I've got a lot of great colleagues who are working towards that. We're kind of building this, and but there's a lot of there's a lot of reform that needs to happen. Um. And, you know, in the meantime, yes, we can work on our own individual tools and self-care. And I think that's very, very important. But but I'm kind of aware that, um, 
you know, there's, there's, there's so many bigger issues that we really need to, to put in context. Um, and that is bigger than I, it's bigger than me. <laughs> it's bigger than me. It's probably what I live and breathe and think about too much, but, but um, it's, is something I think that is worth um, pursuing. So I'm going to carry on. Um, <laughs> Isn't it, it's carry funny on. Though, when, uh, when we say that it's bigger than, you know, it's bigger than us, like these things, I can remember, I've, and I've said on the podcast quite a bit lately, I think my mum's an art therapist. And when I first started running a lot in my 20s, she was starting to study the, she was already a teacher, but she's starting to, to study the therapy stuff. And I can remember having lots of discussions with her and then lots of discussions in my own head while I was running about actually all people really needed to do was to get out and go running. <laughs> you know, when you get, first start running, that's quite, you're very uh, attached to it and you think it's the solution for everything. I still kind of do, uh, <laughs> but it's that kind of um, prescribing prescribing that to people and, and wishing that it was taught in schools and, and do all that other um there was a reason that I was going to say all of that around what you were just saying. And it's just skipped my brain because I've got cold brain. <laughs> Your mom is an art therapist. Um, yeah. Just, it was really just about. What was it about? You were talking about how we as individuals don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm going to keep tipping away, but you know, I think when there's bigger matter. problems, I, yeah, I'm kind of aware you can't, oh, you can only. You can only work around your own direct yes. of influence, can you? And you can just yes. build out from there. But you kind of bring more and more people together. And I, I, I do think that collectively we are so much stronger. So I think it's because my point was because we are, you know, you have those thoughts and I have mine. They're quite synergistically quite similar. Um, here am I now 30 odd years later with podcasts, developing other little bits on the side in that vein of what I was so we are small little cogs. But you're having impact to your podcast. You're leaving a legacy. Yeah, to as are you. And as a, a that's right. And if we just only ever thought about it ourselves and never did anything in any direction, doesn't matter what we do or, if, or opened our mouths, even just talking to other people. That's all I really do at the moment. I just talk to people. But all of those little things have knock-on effects. It'd be like the butterfly, isn't it, in, in South Africa or South America or whatever it is that and I've just sent your podcast to my running group in business school and I'll be sending it to so many other people and I'll be giving you a list of people to have on your podcast and you know and that's it and you you know you'll be privy to your stats you'll see how many countries you're listened to and those little countries where you've just got one listener and you're like oh that's so it's just that it's just those little things though you know because we often think we we talk about stuff and we think we can't change and really that's you know these big endemic in, in systemized things that we're I've got I've got no words to I think we can that. change I think that's my thing yeah you know, that's my point I actually little... do believe we can change um and I, I kind of refuse to be told yeah. otherwise <laughs> it may not be like the time you know it, it may not be instant it'd be more like the Titanic you know in changing things but yeah. but if we don't tectonic yeah if we don't head in those directions then no, there's nothing that will happen. But it's it's all the little things often will add up to the big things. It's kind of anyway. I love it. Um, I need permission to fail along the way because I'm quite yes, aware. So yeah. much failing. Got to fail I, lots. You know, even like yeah. doing a podcast while I've got to that very well. Wondering <laughs> <laughs> my way through it. <laughs> um, yes, we should be celebrating all of the failures. If if you didn't have running in your life, Cheryl, what do you think your life would be missing? 
Uh, I think these days it would be, I mean, would I still be allowed hiking? Um, I think, um, you know, I, I think being able to, I think it's the people that it has brought into my life. Um, I probably wouldn't have seen the places that I've seen um, to the same extent um, and from the same perspective, you know, I, um, yeah. So, something very grounding, isn't there? Like about that, because I always go for a run when I'm, don't always do, I don't go on guided runs. Those ones that you've been on sound amazing. But I will often explore a place. You know, I've been obviously here for a little while and been running every day and checking out streets and and then little parks and finding things that locals know about but you wouldn't know about as a tourist. You know, they're just kind of, it kind of grounds you in a place. You just have to go for a little run. gives you a sense of the place, which is really cool. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be, you know, um, again, <laughs> knowing what I know about running and knowing how it uh, makes me feel, I think I would be missing something. Yeah. Cool. All right. I've kept you for ages and I think we will just have to have lots of po- other podcast episodes um, on mine yeah, and I'm on yours and all over. <laughs> we, need um, to do, on mine. we need to do lots. Um, but before we wrap up, is there anything about running in general that you wanted to share that we haven't touched on? Oh, it's such a big but small question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, I, mean, I think you don't have to run. You know, I think walking, you know, if, if you're ever. I don't know, but I don't know if I agree with that. And, <laughs> you know, to talk about, you know, what is good for, for your body because not everyone yeah. can run, not everyone can walk, yeah. and there's so many other different forms of, of exercise and, and movement. Um, and I, I love pool-based movement as well. And yeah. um, But I, I think for people that might aspire to run who think they can't, I, um, I, you know, I, 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 I think that it's accessible then to you. Um, and I think you had a good conversation about with Gareth about this, yeah, you know, and, and just that starting small, starting with walk run. And I've had a, quite a few friends who've done like, you know, the kind of couch to, to 5k program and then really just, you know, loved it and, and gone on from there. And, and, um, it's really beautiful to see that and um, see people that have taken it up a bit later and, and are, you know, are, are, are loving it as much as you are. Um, so, I mean, I suppose that's one thing I would say, and, you know, when you've got things like park run these days, which you can either walk or run and bring the dogs, bring the kids and, and be part of a community. Um, that's what's special. Um, so if I, if somebody can, comes up to you or when they do and they say, uh what would you recommend I do Cheryl to start running somebody who's never run before what would you suggest they do first yeah and again if they wanted uh someone to tag along with them um I would grab a a keen friend um otherwise I you know start like uh, there's so many great online programs couch to 5k where you start three times a week um I have a friend who started this recently and you start you know just 20 minutes and it can be a walk run walk run it can be minute on two minutes off minute on and then just slowly build up but commit to it find a time get a pair of shoes and you know I think you even said that as well on your podcast you don't need very much you know you can get a pair of shoes um Mm -hmm that's probably all you need um, to start. You don't need anything else fancy. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and the great thing is the the best shoes for you are the ones that feel best on your feet, despite all the money we've spent on <laughs> what is the perfect shoe. <laughs> Find a comfy pair of runners you can afford <laughs> and that feel good on your feet and um, take it. it from there. For the distance um, you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. some, some shoes feel good for like 50 meters. 
some some feel yeah, good for the I whole five days. <laughs> it's great these You can go in onto a treadmill in a shop and actually have a, a decent try. Um, and you know, I mean, I think um, now once you you've got your pair of running shoes that you quite like, you either support your local shop or you go online and get them half price at Running Warehouse. Or <laughs> there are a lot of options, isn't there? I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, before we wrap up, one last question that I've been meaning to ask you is, have you ever prescribed running to one of your um, patients? Yeah, I mean, I think that, no, I think this is a great question. And and so I did do a little bit of sports medicine, but I'm not a sports medicine practitioner. And I'm just imagining I, people coming into emergency with broken bodies. Well, and then, yeah. Maybe not the thing that you do prescribe for somebody, but I'm um, I'm usually telling the runners, like trying to help moderate them through their injuries. But, um, but I, no, I think the whole idea of exercise prescription is, um, you know, is fascinating and that's a whole other conversation and we, we can be, you know, I, I have prescribed like different exercises for back pain and, you know, I do do that definitely. Um, and, um, the, you know, I, I think walking and, and getting out in nature and hiking, you're, it, really these are, I think there was something in Scotland quite recently about that and exercise prescription. Um, so it's what we should be able to massage, we should be able to prescribe yoga classes, we should be able to prescribe all of these things. I'm definitely for that. I love it. All right. Well, as I said, we've I've kept you ages. Um, and again, don't, well, don't get off the podcast straight away. I wanted to say a massive thank you because I have just loved this conversation. I knew I would. Um, and I'm really looking forward to having more conversations with you in the future. So thank you for sharing so much with us today, Cheryl. Thanks very much, Michelle. And keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go... I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.